My God, my God. Hallelujah. I didn't realize, I, I guess I just haven't been in church long enough to realize that today is on my pastor's birthday. Um, so what I'm about to say is, is very fitting. Uh, as I studied for this lesson, I found myself just resonating on this thought that I'm in a, I'm in a spiritual well that I didn't dig. I, I'm, I'm in front of a congregation that has dug a spiritual well through all this pain, through all this suffering, through all these things that go on, but yet you're still here. And I'm still able to come into this house because of a generation before me that laid down a spiritual well. You got down on your hands and knees and praised God for it. I don't take that for granted this morning. I stand, I stand humble for a reason. I didn't create this well. I, I didn't create this church. I didn't lay the foundation of this church. There's only been two pastors of this great church. We're, we're very blessed to have that. I come to you today about a call. I was asked to preach. If, if you don't know what it is, this is the manual, and I have to agree with with, with our pastor and his reason for saying let's preach out of the manual on Sunday mornings. And I, I do it humbly. I, I don't do it because, oh, I, I've got this great call in my life and, and God's called me to preach. That, that None of that matters to me. What matters to me is uplifting God and His people. This, goal, this call gives birth to a nation. Yet the call to this church, we all share. We're all here together because God called us to this church. Genesis 12, verse 1. I know we don't have the PowerPoint. Thank God that my mentor told me to write down my scriptures. Now the Lord said unto Abram, I'll give you a second to find that, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. If you have your Bible and, and you just read that, will you put that down for just a second? Let us pray to our God. Let us ask God's anointing in this house. Lord, I ask you for a boldness to preach your message this morning, Lord. God, I don't want to preach from myself, Lord. I want to preach from that well that's been made available to me, oh God. God, I want you to minister to your people through me, Lord. Remove all of me, Lord. Let your message, let your truth, let your... Your vision, Lord, what, what you wanted to do this morning, oh God. God, not for to uplift my spirit, but to uplift, to give your name glory, oh God. I ask you to move on us, oh God, this morning. God, I thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for this church. I thank you for each and every person that woke up this morning and came to your church, Lord. I ask your blessings upon our lives, oh God. God, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated. Abraham, well, he's, he's known as Abraham at this point in time when he's called. The circumcision hadn't taken place yet, so I'm just going to call him Abram. Um, he was a normal man. If you look at Scripture, he was living in a world that is much like our own. It was full of idolatry. Um, some scholars say that the, the city of Ur uh, was was full of what 
I, I can't remember his name, forgive me. What one scholar said is it was much as, as close as he can get to the American cities as it could be. In other words, it was just so full of idolatry. It was so full of debauchery. So full of, yes, yeah, San Francisco. It, it was just so full of, of many different sins and, and many just different transgressions. And the odd thing is, is they hadn't been that long since the man was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And yet already we find in Scripture that every sort of sin that could be thought of was in the land of Ur. I, I find every time I go to work, I hate this. These stupid tabloids are just all over my store, and I can't do anything about it. I've, I've got to put them up there. But I, I'm glad I don't have a TV because half the time I find myself looking at these things, and I have a, no clue who's on. But there's one lady that I've got to know because she just, her last name's Kardashian. I don't have TV. I don't care. But I just, I just imagined that in... In Abram's day, there was some kind of chiseled notebook that, that sat in some place where some lady was on this notebook, and, and everybody in the world was talking about her. Everybody knew her name. Everybody knew what she was doing. Everybody knew every time she got a divorce, and everybody knew every time she sinned and she was out partying or whatever. I don't care. I wish to God that it would grip our nation we would get rid of this idolatry of men. I mean, who is she anyway? I didn't come here to preach about her. But anyway, man slipped away so quickly from God's great presence. And Abraham was nothing. He was nobody of importance. The only thing that, that separated Abram from everybody else was the fact that God had mercy on Abram. And he, he, he for whatever reason, does anybody know? No. But God said he, he, he showed up. And later in Hebrews, or later on, the Apostle Paul says that God appeared to Abram and told him to get out of his house, to get out of his kindred, to, to get away, get thee out unto a land. He, he gave him a promise. He said, get out of that place. Separate yourselves. Was the first precept, if you would, that God ever laid down for Abram. And yet, who's known as the most faithful man? I mean, I tell you what, he, his name blesses all of our great Bible that we have today. But right from the beginning, he failed. God told him, separate yourselves, yet Lot came with him. A lot of times we don't pick that up in Scripture when, when we read it. The power of God's call, the importance of this call was immediately met with disobedience. Much like some of, uh, some of us. And sin went with him outside those, outside, uh, outside those city walls. Abram moved to Canaan, built altars, called on the name of God. God actually came down and rescued Sarah and, and in a divine intervention rescued Lot. But yet it was all done. And Abram was disobedient. See, God never repents of his call. He's not going to back down. He, he later showed up to, to Abram just to continue to 
tell Abram, I'm with you, and this, this is my plans, but there was no new revelation given. He told Abram, and the place you stand, oh, I'm sorry. He told Abram, the blessings of the covenant he made. But it wasn't until he separated himself from Lot that the renewal of God's plan came with new revelation. Does that make sense this morning? Praise God. I'm, I'm so glad we have a God that blesses us even though sometimes we're not disobedient. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the fact that He's always with us. He, he's so merciful. We talk about how merciful our pastor is, but He's not the only one called to be merciful in this church. It wasn't until He was completely obedient that God gave him new revelation to God's plan. He told Abram, in the place you stand, all the land you see, after he separated himself from Lot, after he was obedient, he said, every place you stand, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. It's all yours, Abram. We find ourselves in the same situation Thousands of years later, we have God's Word. Everything we need is in that Word. All of the riches, all of the promises. Just like Abram, we have a land that was promised to us. We have a, a, a look up, go outside at night, look up to the stars, and guess what? Those are yours! You stand to inherit everything that you see Yet through our disobedience, God can't give us more revelation. We can't dig a deeper hole because we're still standing in disobedience. We're children of a promise. Galatians 3.29 And if you be Christ's, then are ye, ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God has a new land of milk and honey for you and I. Yet how do I inherit this great blessing? How do I get to the place where I stand to stand in this well that I didn't dig? And I'm talking about this church and the spiritual blessings that are in this church. There's nothing I did. There was no sacrifice I gave that was good enough for the blessings I've received. Brother Tony, I'm so glad to see you back in church. I, I look down and see your beautiful eyes. <laughs> you know why they're beautiful? Because they're, they're not looking at me. They're looking at God. He's looking through and He's pushing through. And He wants that promise. And you can see it on His face. Especially when you're preaching, you, you learn to really look at and, and really like to see something like that out in the and the congregation. These promises we all inherited are passed down from generation to generation. And you that are in the church, my pastor included, there was a generation that came before you that passed down these blessings, that prayed, that, that interceded, that kept pushing. They didn't stop where they were at. I'm not satisfied with my walk with God. I'm going to bear my heart. I want more. I want less of me and more of Him. 
I want to walk in a spirit. I want to preach in the spirit. I, I'm, I don't want to preach to you what Mike Goldsmith has to say. You won't want to know. It, it's not a big deal, but what my God wants to say. I want to remove myself and give you what God wants to say every time I get up here. I'm not worthy to stand in His presence. Yet because of a promise, I could come into church today and I could lift up my hands and I could feel God. I could feel His moving and His Spirit. It's the call that links all of us together. We're all called to the same place. I'm perplexed. It absolutely bothers every part of my mind, every part of my body when I hear us running each other down. When I hear us talking and mocking and making fun of each other, it kills me on the inside. There's something in my spirit that lifts up and it says, no, 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 God, that's not right. God, they're talking about the circumstance. They're not talking about the condition. We've forgotten the state that we were in when God called us. Anytime you make fun of your brother or your sister standing in this house, You've forgotten where you came from. God, God says it clearly. In Ezekiel 16 and 6, He says, When I passed by thee and saw thee, and saw thee and that polluted in thy own blood, I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live! I said unto thee, When thou wast in thy blood, live! He says it twice. He says it twice. The call. The call to carry our cross. I'm here because God had mercy on me. I'm here because a generation before me prayed. I'm here because of the mercy of my God. I'm called out of that bondage. I met with a Savior who died on a cross for my sins, washed me whiter than snow because of a promise. See, as time goes by, He truly never stops saving us from ourselves until we die. I'll be honest with you, this is going to be a very provocative statement. I wish you were dead. I wish this church was dead. Dead to the flesh. Dead to the dead to sin. Dead to this world. I hate this world. I do. I wish each and every one of us was dead and alive to the spirit of a living God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Stand with me for a second. Let's just, let's just pray. Let's ask God to come down for just a second. God, I love you and I worship you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this call. Thank you for the call to separation, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, oh God. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 My God, my God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Let your spirit move. You may be... Go ahead and sit down, please. I don't want to provoke you too much. See, we don't realize until we come to the revelation that on the way to the cross, despite all the pain, despite all the pain, Brother Eldar, much of you know the the circumstances of God's body on His way to that cross. Yet while carrying that cross, he still took time out to call out to one more soul. See, and this, this is a, I don't care what you say, I'm not a Bible scholar, but this is, a, this is exactly what we're supposed to do. See, Jesus himself said, pick up your cross and, call, and follow me. But I was never, ever supposed to carry this cross by myself. I'm called to be a part of a nation. To be a part of a church. I'm not supposed to carry my cross. Brother Tony, will you carry my cross with me? I'll carry my cross with your cross with you. Brother Bob, I'll carry your cross with you. I'm not called to do this by myself. Sister and Brother Duncan, I pledge myself to carry your cross if you'll help carry mine. It was through study that I realized when we mock each other and hurt each other and I'm carrying my cross and we talk about people that are in and out of church, we talk bad to each other, don't we? We all do it. And I'm carrying this cross and you just made it a little bit harder for me. Now I'm carrying it by myself. I've got blood all over me because I'm crying out to a God that I need. And you keep tearing me down. So now I'm dragging. And sooner or later, I just lay it down and I forget it. And I realize God never intended for me to carry that cross. But when I cut someone down, There's another person in that scenario that you become. See, there was a mob that day. And the Bible says they were mocking. And they were spitting on. And they were hitting my Jesus on the head. And when you cut each other down, when you talk bad about each other, You literally become someone in that mob for someone today. How hard is that to bear? God, I don't want to, I don't want to make fun of you. I want to be at a spot where I want to pray for you. I want to love you. See, charity is the best thing that ever happened to this world. Charity, well, other than God, dying on a cross. Charity lifts up. Charity is better than love because it, it doesn't stop giving. 
It continues to give despite its own recognition of, of pain in the flesh. Charity searches for something more. Charity realizes that person has the spirit of the living God. If I make fun of that person, if I mock that person, then I really mock God and what He did on that cross. And I limit it to what He does in that person's life. Through faith, Abraham kept walking and believing in God. We partake in this promise. And I know everybody's looking. God never intended for His church to be at war with each other. We get so caught up in our lives and our daily lives and our everything that we go through throughout the week and we forget that I'm called to this place with you. That's why I call you my brother and my sister. Whether you like it or not, we're called to walk together. I don't realize why I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this. I don't get into everything that goes on with the church. I'm, just, I'm being honest. I don't, I don't even know of any situation going on now. Nor do I care. Because I want to go back to my prayer room, to my closet, and pray for my church and pray for my pastor and pray for my ministry. Because I can't make it by myself. I need you. I talked to Sister Deem and I realized something and, and God really convicted me about it whether she knew it or not. I had never spoken to the woman. She's my elder. She's seen what God has done through this church. I'm not standing here arrogant saying, oh yeah, I deserve this. I don't deserve to preach to you. But I tell you what, I go to Sister Dean because I want to hear the stories of what she's been through. I want to hear the stories that my pastor and my assistant pastor and Brother Davis, Brother Williams, Brother Gillespie, I want Brother Duncan, all of you, I can't name out all of you, but you have stories where this church has been. That's important to me because it lets me see where we're going. I don't take this for granted. I don't like... My dad was in the army and he taught me not to make fun of people. Maybe that's where this stems from. I'm not saying I've ever heard anybody in this church make fun of anybody. What I've came here to do today is to hopefully, hopefully open up our minds so that we can remember one more time why we're here. So we can look at around us and look at people that haven't been blessed yet with that anointing, with that Spirit of God that don't have Jesus' name written at the end of theirs. I'm not called to do this by myself. I'm called to be a part of something. I'm called to carry my cross 
to help carry yours. And you help carry mine. Every young minister in this church needs to know that. Every young person, I do not take my work at the teen house lightly. They need to know Scripture. They need to see an example of someone that's living for God. Barbara and Maisha, God, I have such a burden for those two. They don't even have the luxury of a parent that is in church to teach them things. Why do you think they're drawn to this church? It's not because of my great personality. It's not because of your great personality. It can be. It's because of who we serve. I didn't think I'd preach very long today. I didn't think I'd preach very long today. I feel the anointing for the first time in in my whole life. I have preached this message eight or nine times in my mind. And I can no longer come into a church half-hazardly, half-heartedly and say that I'm a child of the only living God and to say that I have truth I can't come into this church anymore and say, oh, it doesn't matter tonight. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm just going to stand here. I'm hurting. I'm tired. I don't want to worship my God today. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to stand in front of a congregation and, and preach truth. And I'm telling you, you've dug this well. I'm going to pick this well up. And I'm going to keep preaching truth. I'm going to keep living right. I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do. (coughs) Not because of who I am, but because who He is. Because when He passed by me, I'll tell you the truth, I was in an absolute bloody mess. He had mercy on me because He chose to have mercy on me. Not because I was grafted in because I'm a third generation apostolic. I'm a first generation apostolic. Nobody in my family knew truth. I don't take this for granted. My God has blessed my life. He has continued to anoint me. He's continued to let me grow in this well again that I didn't dig. I appreciate the generation before me. I want to learn what you've learned. I want to know what you've gone through. Not for myself. Not for the uplifting of myself. But so that I can teach the next generation. So I can stand in that gap. Where you can't maybe minister to that next generation. I can stand in that gap for you. I'm not called to do this alone. I need you. I need the generation after me. I may have my problems. You may have your problems. We all, the Apostle Paul had his problems. But do not speak them to someone else. Don't put them out there. Take them to a closet between you and God. Pray for those things. Uplift that person. They don't need any more weight on their cross. 
my God, if the music would come, if you would all stand, I'm, I'm feeling God. Let's, I'm not your pastor, but I'm going to tell you this. Please. Please. I'll say it one more time. Please. Let that spirit die. Let those things die today. This is the threshing floor. This is where God moves. Some of you may have not been down here for a long time. This is where things change. This is where God chooses through the ignorance of preaching. This is where God chooses to change things. I've got some things that I need gone. I've got some things that ought to just die in my heart. And I'm not too proud of a man to say, it's time to change. I pass down what I learned to my family. I try to live as good as I can. There's no TV, there's no cable in my house. I don't even have the internet. I choose not to have those things because I don't want that junk coming into my house. I don't want it coming into my heart. I choose to let God have His way in my life. And for some of you that haven't done it, it is the best thing that you will ever do in your life. You start to respect things that you never knew were there. If you would have known me when I was 20, I'm not the kind of guy to humbly say I'm proud of a generation that came before me. But through God, through an intimacy with my Lord and Savior, through a circumcision made without hands, I come before you humble. I come before the generation that doesn't really need a 32-year-old man to preach to them. But I come to you anyway. And I'll tell you, it takes a lot out of me to even think about preaching to a congregation such as this. I have to push myself beyond my years, beyond my experience, beyond my knowledge. And I have to go to an intimate place in God and find out what to say. And I have to remove myself and get into a place where I can hear from God so that I can speak what God has to His people I don't want to speak to you as Michael Goldsmith. I want God just to show up and speak through me. Speak to a generation. Speak to a people. His people. I don't take that for granted. I don't take you for granted. I'm not a man that likes to, to talk. Uh, many of you don't know that about me. I, I'm... I, I'm uncomfortable speaking one-on-one with people sometimes. It's hard for me to, to approach someone that I don't know. But there's a burden to know each and every person in this place. To get to know you because God has called us together. This altar is open and I'm hoping that anyone who will join me in taking this spirit of gossip out of me
I hope that you will come this morning. I'm going to hand this mic to my pastor because this is his church. And I humbly submit myself to his authority. To my God's authority that he's placed in my life. Because he's placed that authority, I have to walk under his precepts and his commandments. And I don't want to talk bad about you. I want to love you deeper than a love. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead.